Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, as we begin our teaching series, we're going to begin with a video that uh, helps uh, frame our mind a little bit, get us thinking in the right direction as we begin our Advent teaching series for 2022. So let's watch together. Christmas presents are exciting. Do you remember what you'd say is the best gift you've ever received at Christmas? I asked my kids this question, and here's what they said. My six-year-old loved her little talky doll that could talk, blink, and not much else. Cost a whopping $110 after tax, and it lasted for a solid eight months before it found its way to the back of her closet. My nine-year-old said his favorite was the popular fantasy book series, six books in all, each getting progressively longer. The set cost $58 and lasted eight weeks before it lived its final dust-filled existence on a shelf. Now my tween loved the Brainy Putty Collection that cost $32 and lasted a measly eight days before it went to live in our carpet. Finally, my teenage son wanted the ultimate drone with a 4K camera. It cost the most and lasted the shortest amount of time. I'd like to say it lasted eight minutes, but no, it was eight seconds, which is only impressive in bull riding. As exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift at Christmas that was far better? In fact, so much better that it makes these look like, well, toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, nor could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, like, say, life itself? And what if this gift was given through the birth of a baby who became our Paid in full. That's the gift offered to all. It costs us nothing, him everything. It lasts just a bit longer than eight seconds, eight days, eight weeks, or even eight months. It lasts forever. That's Christmas, friends. The coming of gifts that last forever. Uh, if you were going to answer that question, uh, what would your favorite gift be? Like, I feel like we have, we all carry that memory, that special time. It's a portrait, a window into time and some point in our lives where we remember that great gift, right? The excitement, the fun. Do you remember, like, where you were, how old were you, who shared in that moment with you? 
Uh, I remember as kids, the year that mom and dad got us bicycles, like that, bikes are still, uh, I think, a pretty epic gift in, in the, uh, a boy or a girl's life. Uh, but I remember that year, they, as I remember it, they had kind of put the bicycles, because it's hard to wrap one, uh, they had hid them kind of out in the dining room away from the, where the Christmas tree and all the excitement was. Well, as a kid, like I am zoned in on the excitement, right? Shredding boxes and unpacking those things and, and celebrating these things around the Christmas tree, oblivious to two bicycles in the dining room. Well, like for a while, I didn't notice. And so I think my parents sensed that I was going to need a little help in finding this great gift. And so uh, they sent me to the door to like let in the cat or to put the dog out or something. And so I remember like turning out of the living room and walking uh, kind of blindly past even the wooden dining room table to the back sliding door. And that's when I realized that there were two bicycles bicycles in the dining room. It was the greatest gift ever. It was so cool. I can remember all those details around that gift of a bicycle. And uh, for me and my sister in that season, what, what was that gift for you? Like, as you think about that, was it a certain doll? What is it, was it a certain video game? Maybe it was a BB gun. Maybe it was a bicycle. Like, what was that thing for you? Where were you when that gift was given to you? As we can picture those moments in our minds and we think about those things, a follow-up question comes to mind for me, and that would be, where is it now? Where's that gift? Now, I mean, it's the greatest gift ever. You still have it, right? Now, I'm sure some of you still have that great gift squirreled away in the dusty corner of the attic somewhere, but for many of us, the greatest gift has been outgrown or perhaps it's gone the way of the thrift store or maybe even uh, to the trash by that point. So many of the presents that we celebrate and we enjoy in Christmas, even the great ones, go another way. They go apart from our lives as time goes by. So this year, this year as we journey through the Advent season, as UPS and FedEx and the mail delivery folks are taking up residence temporarily at our homes, and we even begin to get the wrapping underway Friends, I want us to make a special time and a place to receive and appreciate the gifts of Christmas that last. The true gifts of Christmas. The Christmas gifts that couldn't earn yet are free and available to everyone. And yes, they do last forever. As we enter this season in 2022 together, we're going to seek to grow deeper in our understanding of these free gifts that are available to us through Christ and his coming. Gifts that, again probably don't deserve and we couldn't earn, but yet they've been freely given because Christmas is a time to celebrate the presence, presence with the sea, presence that came at that first Christmas, and it's an opportunity to receive the greatest gift in Christ Jesus. It's really no accident that gift giving is a part of Christmas since Christmas itself is a great gift. I want to welcome you to our Advent teaching series, the Christmas gifts, the Christmas gifts. Throughout this season, we're going to look at the gifts that are available to us in and through Christ Jesus. And as we enter our scripture story today, uh, we're going to see that contained in the very announcement of his birth, the very telling of his coming is news of a great gift, the gift of his presence, the presence of God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's turn to Matthew's gospel in chapter 1. 
Uh, the text will be on the screen. It's also in your Version app. If you use the Bible app, we have an event set up there that you can follow along with some notes from the service. Uh, but Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It should stand out to us today that when Matthew uh, begins to recount the coming of Jesus, that he skips some of the practical details, right, uh, of how it happened, where they were, and the things that were surrounding it. And it turns out that would be Luke's job in his gospel. That's where we get most of those details. But what does stand out here is what Matthew does communicate. For everything he skips, he gives us some beautiful theological truth in the announcement of this baby's coming. Uh, he points directly to who this child is and the significance of who and why he is coming. And we see that even in the naming of this child, in naming him Jesus, which literally means God saves. We're given a picture of what this babe will do. And in being called Emmanuel, it's revealed who he is, that Emmanuel, God with us. And we see there that Emmanuel is the gift of presence, the presence of God himself. And so we see in Matthew's introduction this beautiful portrait, him tying together these two key themes, two important ideas to show the significance and the identity of this Christmas babe born in a manger. God has come to be with us, to save us. Friends, that's, that's the gift of presence, that's the promised Christmas gift. And, and you know, I, I think sometimes from this side of the cross, I think it can be hard for us to grasp uh, or to wrestle with the magnitude or the glory that's contained in this announcement. Maybe it's because we, we've heard this story all of our lives. You know, it's been a part of who we are. We celebrate it every year. And so it becomes common or easy to recite without stepping into the depth of what's going on. Maybe it's because we have... Uh, several nativities set around our house and we see uh, a figure retelling of this story so many times and in so many ways. But friends, be sure when this announcement came to those who heard it for the very first time, it would have been a glorious revealing of the good news of God that he was moving in a new way in our story that God was doing a new thing. And that's what Matthew's getting at here. Uh, he takes us back to the Old Testament there in verse 23 uh, when he quotes the promise of Isaiah that was given to the people uh, in the Old Testament. We see that there in Isaiah 7, uh, verse 14, and this was the prophet speaking hundreds of years before Christ came. It says, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. You see, the people that received that very first promise, the people in Isaiah's day, that they were stuck in darkness and despair. 
they thought it was probably all over, that, that, that there was no hope. But it was into that space that the promise of presence was given through Isaiah. God promised in those moments that though it seemed dark, that though it seemed hopeless, that no, I am going to come and be with my people again. Friends, into that dark space came a promise of presence. That God himself was moving in a new way. The beautiful truth that we celebrate every year, that our nativities point to, that our trees are illuminated, all of those things are pointing to the fulfillment of this promise. They're pointing to Emmanuel, God, with us, the gift of his presence. And friends, at risk of it becoming common or passing us by too quickly, the news of his coming, God coming is reason to celebrate, it's reason to reflect, it's reason to worship in this season. You might say that his presence is the greatest present you could ever receive. That Emmanuel, God with us, his presence is the greatest present you could ever receive. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate in this season. As our journey to Christmas Day continues over the next several weeks, we're going to unwrap, if you will, more of the gifts that come that are contained with his presence, the coming of his presence. Gifts that are eternal, that last forever. They're redemptive, restorative, and transformative. They're the great Christmas gifts. Next week, we're going to look at the gift of mercy. Now, mercy it might not be the number one thing we think about when we think of Christmas, but make no mistake that when Mary and Zechariah, when they heard, when they were told what was coming, mercy was quick to come into their mind that God was being merciful in sending Christ, sending Messiah. We will look at the gift of mercy. And next, we're going to look at the gift of joy. Joy to the world. It's not just a nice song. It's a reality for those to live into. It's a statement of fact for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we believe, finally, we'll we'll look at this idea of the gift of life. The gift of life. We're going to explore the gift of peace. The gift of peace that comes in knowing Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace himself. Through that peace, we experience life, the ultimate gift received at Christmas. Jesus said himself, he said, I have come that you might have life. I have come that you might have life. Life might be the most greatest Christmas gift that we can receive. As we began this series, as we were mapping out our way through it, we were very intentional to start with the idea of presence. The idea of his coming, Emmanuel, God with us. And we see the gospel writers taking an approach to unpack presence. And when you look at the gospel of John, this is Jesus' close friend. When he begins to write a letter to communicate the life and story of Jesus, he begins uh, with details that aren't, again, tied to the, the physical howls of what happened, but no, tied to presence. John wants to unpack who this babe is, who this person is. So he, he foregoes the details of the shepherds and the angels, and no bright stars or magi are in John's gospel. No, he begins with presence. Let's turn to John chapter 1 uh, and begin in verse 9. 
John chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, says, The true light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's quite an introduction, right? Because he's skipping all the things that we would anticipate of the details of what Mary and Joseph were doing. He foregoes all of that to unpack the beauty of presence, of who this babe is. He says he is the true light giving light to the world. He was in the world before the world began. So he's saying this Jesus is eternal. He was before the world began, and in fact, the world was made through him. And in verse 14, he kind of brings all of this together, and he says that literally God made his dwelling among us. He pitched his tent among us. And as you would unpack the original language there, it's that that he came and pitched his tent. He tabernacled among us. And and to the first century audience, uh, their minds would have immediately been taken back to the story of Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness. You see, Exodus 25 records that uh, God begins to give Moses details on how to erect this special tent, a a place where God could be with his people. And, And that's the story that we find throughout scriptures, God desiring to be with his people And so he's unpacking for Moses this special tent where God will meet and be present and available to his people. And this tabernacle, this tent was an ornate structure with precious metals and jewels and fabrics throughout, all designed to draw the person's mind into the presence of God. And that's where uh, uh, John is going. He's taking up this idea of the tabernacle of God being with his people, and he's saying that is Jesus that he is tabernacled among us. And so rather than having to go outside of the camp of the Israelites to the tent of meeting, no, he's saying the tabernacle has come to us. God's presence is now with us. And friends, this is a history-changing moment in our story. The message paraphrase, uh, that that version of Scripture, records it like this. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's a new way to frame Christmas, right? God moving into the neighborhood. But that's the message. It says, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Friends, Christmas is God moving into the neighborhood of a lost and broken humanity. That's the message that John is establishing and is framing his gospel within. And it deserves our attention and, our yes, our adoration in this Christmas season. Because you see, it, it, something interesting happens in just that brief discourse from John's gospel. He introduces us to two different groups of people. Right there in verse 11 and 12, and I want to go back there and just unpack that briefly. 
So Christ has come, has moved into the neighborhood, but yet there's two types of people here. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So there are those who did not receive Christ. Verse 12, he says, yet to all who did receive him, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So John here, in telling of Jesus' coming and unpacking the beauty of his presence, he shows us that there are two types of people. There are those who received him, who leaned into his words and his teaching and his life, death and resurrection, and there are those who did not. And suddenly, the truth of verse 11 and 12 transcends 2,000 years, doesn't it? Because today... There are people that will see the lit trees and see the nativities, yet not receive the gift of presence. You see, the gift of presence has been given, but it must be received. It must be received. Because God not only desires to be with us, Emmanuel, He desires to be within us. He desires to be within us. As you were reflecting on your favorite gift earlier, like there was a moment when you had to embrace that, right? Like when you didn't just stand from afar and realize that that bicycle was for you. No, you hopped on it, right? Because the beauty is that great gifts are made to be received. So we don't sit there and look at these cool things around the tree and just leave them. No, we shred into them, right? Like gifts are made to be received. We don't leave Tickle Me Elmo in the box. No, you get them out and play with them. I'm a 90s kid. I remember these things. See, I didn't see those bikes in the dining room that day and just say, well, that's nice. Then go back to doing something else. No, you embrace the gift. I remember the year uh, that I got my first shotgun. Now, Ladies, I don't know if this is as significant in your life, but for a boy, there is no more monumental moment in your story than receiving your first shotgun. And I remember that morning, and, and what do you do when you get a gift like that? You go shoot it. And I know you're thinking, what a bunch of rednecks on Christmas Day shooting firearms. I'm sorry, but great gifts are made to be used, embraced, to brought into your life. And so I'm simply saying that as we consider the great gift of God's presence at Christmas, we must receive it. We can't let this season and the gift pass us by. We must receive it. Make it our own. Make it a part of our story. Better yet. Make it our story. See, that's Christmas. (laughs) That's Christmas. That God is inviting us into his story. That his presence has come and is available to be received. That's Christmas. What an amazing gift that we have. Uh, You know, this season... um, I hope you receive lots of good gifts. I hope you receive cool stuff, things you can celebrate, things you can go shoot in the yard. I don't care. No judgment for me, obviously. I hope that stuff is in front of you. Amen. Whether you're with me and hoping that grandma comes through on the socks for this year, hint, hint, granny, (coughs) 
Just saying, uh, whether you're hoping that granny comes through on your sock supply for this year uh, or you're hoping for that new vacuum cleaner because, hey, we all need help with household chores, so how about a Roomba, right? Or whether you're hoping for a new video game or whatever that is. I, I hope there's exciting and fun stuff ahead of you because that's part of the joy of the season. But you know what? These things have something in common. All of those things that will bring up joy, they're going to get old. <laughs> they might wear out. They might go out of style. The dog might uh, actually hate your Roomba and destroy it before it ever gets to clean your house the first time. You see, all of those gifts, they're fading. They can pass by without lasting impact on us. So, so friends, my greater hope as I've been thinking and trying to get into this Christmas story, my greater hope this year is that we would experience the gifts that last. The gift of presence of God with us. And that he desires to be in us. Look, I, I know today that for some that it's hard to be excited about Christmas. Um, it's hard to muster up that Christmas spirit because for you, Christmas is already hard or perhaps it's already painful. Because you see, Christmas can come and it can remind us of loved ones that aren't going to be around the table this year. And that can be hard. It can be hard because a health challenge is going to make this year look radically different than it's ever looked before. And friends, those things are they're hard. And maybe, maybe it's, it, you're strapped financially this year and you would love to give, but you just know it, it's not going to work. But you know, I've been just thinking about the beauty of Christmas and Christ's coming. It's that Christ's presence came into the middle of our human experience, into those challenges into those difficulties and the heartbreak. That's where Christmas was birthed. And so, friends, I pray that somehow, through the gift of presence, that you would experience Christ in a new way, in a powerful and healing way, in the middle of that disruption. I mean, as you look through scriptures at the Christmas story, man, it was a mess. It was a mess. God's people were under Roman oppression. They were being persecuted. And Jesus came to an unwed teenager, and she was pledged to be married. And Joseph had to wrestle with this whole idea of, oh, don't worry what's conceived in your bride-to-be is of the Holy Spirit. What? Like, that was real wrestling. That was real tension. Then the government comes by and says, oh, BTW, go back to your hometown. We're going to count you. And so she has to, this family has to travel. And amidst the rumors and the things going on, it's into that space that Christ has come. And friend, I, I, I pray that, that as you reflect and you think on that this season, that that would bring healing to you. That Emmanuel would be a reality in your life. And it doesn't mean that everything is just sugar cookies and eggnog. No, but Christ is there. His presence is powerful and alive and at work. I 
pray that we understand and we reflect and we live in that reality this season. And friends, that's, that, that's been my, my prayer. And, and I know it, it's, it's not very profound, but it's just been that we would experience Christmas. No grand theological truth there. But man, can, can we just get this, Lord? Right? Because I, I, I get into the wrapping and the decorating and the Amazon. I, I get it. Oh, but Father, don't let us miss it. Don't let us pass this season by without experiencing Emmanuel. Not only Christ with us, but Christ within us. May we experience that. You know, we, <laughs> we were decorating here the other day, and um, we got out my favorite nativity set. I said we have multiple of them, right? get out my favorite one now my the favorite one in our house doesn't belong to me it belongs to eliza who's three uh, and it's, it's a little plastic figurine set of the nativity and i love this thing it's got the plastic stable and it's got the shepherds and it's got uh, a donkey which is my favorite it's got the donkey but the camels and it's got mary and joseph and baby jesus and, and, it, and it's all there and you've got a little uh, plastic straw hay bale to feed the animals with i love it I think I like it a little more than she does. Anyway, she was playing with this the other day as we're working through getting Christmas stuff going in the house. And, and she was in her room, and she's taking care to get the little bale of straw and make sure it's near the donkey and the camel. She wants them to be fed. She's getting in the story. And, and then as she gathers up uh, Jesus' mommy, and we're working that this is Mary. She gathers up Mary and she gathers up Jesus' daddy and Joseph. We'll, we'll sort out the theology of that later. But she's gathering up Joseph and she's bringing them together. And now she's covering them up with her baby shark blanket. I don't know how you merge baby shark and Christmas, but she did it. But you see, she wanted baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary to be warm. Well, we go on and she played there in the, her room. And, and that night she, she announces... As she's been carrying Mary and Joseph and Jesus around the house, she announces that I want to, I want to take them to bed. Like, well, Jesus is about an inch and a half tall in this set, and I thought, he's a goner if he ever goes to that bed. <laughs> I said, well, honey, why don't, why don't we just leave the set in your room? And she agreed. But you know what? As, as I've been thinking about that, I want to experience Christmas like that. <laughs> to be in the story, to carry the story of Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and baby Jesus, to carry it with me. To take that story to bed and reflect on it as we drift off to sleep. What, what might change in your story this Christmas, friends, because you stepped into the story? It's Christmas. Let's step into the story together. And you know, as we do that, we have an opportunity. As we receive the greatest gift, we can also give a gift. We can give the gift of ourselves. Vance Havner, he, he says it this way. He says, Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man his unspeakable gift of his son. But then he goes on. 
He says, and it's based on the gift of man to God. When we present our bodies a living sacrifice to him. So friends, not only that we would experience Christmas, that we would receive Christ, but that we would give ourselves wholly to him. To live in to his story. When you try to think about, Lord, what what could we ever do in return for your coming, for your bleeding, suffering, dying Messiah? What could we ever do? And he says, give yourself to me. So may this Christmas season for us together as the family of God, as we celebrate, may we receive, but may we give ourselves wholly to him. And find ourselves in Christmas story. Let's pray together. Lord, um, thank you for Christmas. Uh, Lord, thanks for your coming. Uh, God, it's just so, so humbling, Lord, to think about the mess at which you stepped into. But God, you made it holy by your presence. And Lord, that's the essence of what we want to experience now. Lord, that Christmas would not pass us by, that we would not sing the songs and decorate the homes and, and do all the things and miss you. And so, God, today we, we want to receive you, yes, to not only acknowledge that you came, but to allow you to have full reign and rule in our lives, Lord. Because the reality is the cross was in view of the manger. And so, Lord, we believe in the revelation of who you are. Our suffering servant, Messiah, our Savior. And, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We offer ourselves to you, Lord. May the Christmas story be our story today. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for coming. Thank you that Emmanuel is a reality that we can experience. Merry Christmas, Lord. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.